Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Look with me in Psalm 126 and verse 5 and 6. Just a few over. If your Bible's pages are as thin as mine, it may take you a minute. 126 and verses 5 and 6. Look what it says. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Now verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. A large church in the state of Kentucky, and I won't share the name with you, it doesn't matter. A group of ladies got in touch with the fact that they were blessed. And as they got in touch with it, the heart of God began to grieve within them. They went to other people in the church, but nobody else in the church was, cared about it. But they said, well, we care and we can do something about it. And they began to meet together. And they prayed that God would give each one of them one person a day for the whole year winning a person to Jesus. They prayed for that burden and they wept with tears. The janitor of that church, they had no pads on the pews like we do. And he said he would come in every morning after they had come to pray. They came on Tuesday mornings and just spent the time fasting and praying. And he said he would come in and he would, the, the tears, the salt of their tears had so messed up the varnish on those, those pews that the varnish had dried and peeled up and flaked off. And he'd come in with a brush and brush off those, 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 uh, chips there of that varnish into a bucket. And in one year's period of time, that particular church led the whole Southern Baptist Convention of Baptism. And you know why it was? It wasn't because of any program. It was because of eight women. Eight women who decided, hey, we are blessed. We have the nature of God. And they became obedient to God, which is revival. Jesus became real to them and manifested Himself to them. And they began to care as He cared. And God honored their tears. And God blessed that church. When have we wept over the lost? When was the last time you spent time weeping over the sin of this world? Blessed are the mourning ones. Those who beat with the heartbeat of God and grieve over that which God grieves over. Now I want you to see an illustration of this, of the nature of God transferred into the heart of man. Beautiful. God laid this on my heart as I was putting this together. Luke 13 and 34. Luke 13 and verse 34. Now watch. Here is the heart of God over His people. Watch here. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How do you think He said that? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How do you think He said that? How do you believe that that verse really came out? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Look, which killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together. Look here. As a hen doth gather her brood under her wings. And you would not. You see the heart? He was so grieved because they had rejected the, the very things God had given them. And he said, oh, uh, as a mama hen, I just gathered you under my wings. He was so burdened. Now watch. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. If I got it down right. Verse 41. It says, when he was come near, he beheld the city. And what did he do over it? He wept over it. Now, I want you to see this. This is the heart of God. Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How do we see Him? We see Him weeping over people who've rejected the things of God. And that's sin. He was grieved over sin. And he was compelled to compassion for people. Now, watch this. Paul is our example. And I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3. We begin reading with verse 3. Here's Paul. Now what happened to Paul? Paul crucified the, or, or persecuted these people. Now watch. In verse 3, it says, For we are the circumcision. In chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Now watch. He talks about his old life. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of, of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But now watch. Look at what changed in him. But what things were gained to me, those I counted what? Loss for Christ's sake. Talk about repentance. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Notice here. He counts them as loss. For the ex excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He counted them loss before he actually suffered the loss. And do count them but waste that I may win Christ. And be found in him, and having made mine own righteousness, having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ is the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now watch, verse 10. That I may know him. Now he's putting all this aside. Watch here. And the power of His resurrection. Okay, so far so good. We know that. Now look at the next verse. And the fellowship of His sufferings. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, because I grieve over sin, I've turned away from it in my own life, and now I want to fellowship with Christ. There's two kinds of fellowship. You fellowship for, but this, or suffer for, but here he's talking about, I want to suffer with Christ. I want to suffer with Him. I want to feel His heart beating within me. And then we find another passage of Scripture that shows how it works itself out. Look in chapter 9 of Romans. What did you find Jesus doing? Grieving over those of the Israelites. Now I want you to see something. Paul said, I want a fellowship with Christ. I want to have His heart in me. I want to grieve as God grieves. Watch. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Paul said, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. What? that I have heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish, look here, heaviness and continual what? Sorrow. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And you know who he's weeping over? He's weeping over the same people the Lord Jesus wept over on that day he beheld the city. Do you see the change? Do you see a man who was persecuting these folks and how he came to have the nature of God, how the nature of God began to work within him, how he repented of his ways, how he turned to God, and how God's nature became his nature. And he now was compassion. He felt compassion for people just like God felt. It was God's compassion in him. Blessed are the mourning ones. Blessed the mourning ones. Blessed the sorrowing ones. But I don't have much time to finish this thing out. I'm circling the field and I've almost got my flaps down. But let's look at the four. We've seen an explanation of the sorrowing ones. Let's look secondly at the confirmation of the sorrowing ones. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. The confirmation. It says there in verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in the Greek, the better way to read that is, For these specific, particular people shall be comforted. Now, he's not saying he's going to comfort everybody, does he? He's saying only those who grieve as I grieve, who are sorrowing over sin, have repented of it in their own life and turned away, and have become compelled with compassion for the people of the world. The verb there, shall be comforted, is in the passive voice. You know what that means? 
It means they can't do it themselves. It has to come from without, somewhere else. And that's the Holy Spirit comforting them. For the word comfort comes from the word parakaleo. It's the same word used for the Holy Spirit when it says you shall be given another comforter. And the word there means to call alongside, to encourage, to cheer up. The Holy Spirit is there to cheer us up as we sorrow and grieve over the sin of this world. The verb shall be is in the future tense, the aorist aorist future. And it's not so much emphasizing a specific time that we shall be comforted, although there will be one. I'll share that in a moment. But he's speaking more of the effectiveness of that comfort as we go along. Last night I had trouble with that. I said, I don't understand. God, I just don't understand. Where is the comfort? Where is the comfort? For sin is on the rampage in our country. Where is the comfort? And the Holy Spirit, I, I, went, I went to bed with that thought on my mind. And I woke up and God put a thought on my mind and I'm going to share it with you. I believe it's as pure as anything I've ever shared in my life. You know what God put on my heart? God said, Wayne, the comfort. The comfort. It's not something so much external, but the comfort is the privilege of going deeper into the oneness of God. Deeper into the blessedness of God. And the more your heart beats with God's heart, the more you understand that heart and the deeper you can go in the reality of who He is that lives within you. And the scripture God took me to was over in 2 Corinthians when Paul had been exalted into the third heaven. And how he had been allowed the privilege of actually seeing that which many men had never seen, most men had never seen. As a matter of fact, he had to take a thorn in his side to keep him from being so exalted because of that experience. And I thought, oh God, if there's anything I want, I want to see the things that only your spirit can tell me. I want to know the things that aren't written in a book. I want to be taught by your spirit. And God says, son, blessed are you when you mourn and you shall be comforted. I'll come to you. I will cheer you up and I will let you see what only I can show you. You talk about comfort. And my friend, it may not stop the tears, but I guarantee you what it will motivate them. And it'll, it'll, it'll be a cycle of your life that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the blessedness that God has given us in the Lord Jesus. Confirmation. Who is it that shall be comforted? Those that mourn. Oh, Wayne, I cried last week. For his sake, did you cry? For his sake? Are your tears because of him and what he came to do? Then you'll be comforted, my friend. Part of it. I know part of it will be to go deeper in the understanding of that blessedness and be more fully satisfied with Him. Finally, and I'm real quick, the consolation of the sorrowing. <laughs> Confirmation, how do you know people have sorrowed? Walk with them. Walk with them. But the consolation, yes, there will be a point in time that we shall be comforted. Oh, my friend, look with me in Revelations chapter 21, verse 1. The tears that we shed over the sin in this world... The Christian church, the problem with it is most of us are paying for it rather than weeping over it. We spend our life trying to get the very things that God saved us from. We don't sorrow. We don't mourn. But watch. Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. wonder why John was allowed to see all these things. I bet he sorrowed. Verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And Phyllis so beautifully sung about it in the first of the service. Look at verse 4. And God, watch, shall wipe away all, what? 
tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Oh yeah, friend, there's going to be a point in time. But the comfort He gives us now is not to relieve the tears, but the comfort is to encourage them. Because the more we grieve, the deeper we go into Him, and the more blessed we see ourselves in Him. And I'll close with an illustration of a friend of mine that I've shared it before, but God won't let me get away from it. A friend of mine said he went to a conference in Dallas several years ago. I believe it was Expo or something. The Campus Crusade was putting on and He said Billy Graham was going to be there, and he was looking forward to hearing him. And he had a friend named Richard Hogue, and Richard Hogue was staying in a motel not far from the convention center. And Richard Hogue now, a lot of folks know who he is. But Everett said, I, I couldn't wait to see old Richard. Back at that time, nobody knew who Richard was. And he went over to his room, and Richard said, man, I got, ticket. I got a ticket tomorrow to go to a banquet to hear Billy Graham speak. He said, you're kidding. He said, no, man, I'm going. He said, you reckon I could go with you? He said, I don't know. And he made a phone call and got him a ticket. Everett said, man, I was so excited. So they went to the banquet hall an hour early because they didn't want to miss getting right on the lead table right in front of where Billy Graham was going to sit. They broke in that door and ran down to the front and got there. And I mean, they were sitting about 10 feet from where Billy Graham was going to sit and speak. And they sat there and old Everett said, what you going to do when he comes in? He said, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to meet him. I'm going to introduce myself to him and I'm going to shake his hand. <laughs> and so they said it. Billy Graham was about 15 minutes late. It's funny how preachers get involved in that kind of thing. But he came in about 15 minutes late, and he said he, he got up, and he started to walk over. And when he got over there, Billy Graham had turned to his daughter, Bunny, and was talking to her. And he was so embarrassed because he didn't want to interrupt their conversation. He just kind of turned around very meekly and walked back and sat out. His face was red as a beet. They ever said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going back. <laughs> so he gets back up, and he walks over, and he sticks his hand out. And he says, Billy Graham, and, Billy, and she told him who he was and talking so fast you could hardly understand him. And Billy Graham said, whoa, 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 slow down, Richard. Richard, he knew him. And said that Richard Hogue stood there with his mouth hanging open and said, I know who you are, you're Richard Hogue. He said, I've been following your ministry. And he says, as a matter of fact, there's a letter probably on your desk right now back in your office inviting you to my home in Montreat in North Carolina just for a couple of weeks where we can just spend some time together and I can share the things God has taught me. And Richard stood there. <laughs> And he turned around and said, thank you. And he walked over and sat down to Everett and said, he looked at Richard and said, well, what did he say? He didn't have any idea what had happened. And Richard said, Everett, Everett, he knew who I was. He knew who I was. And Everett told me, he said, God so ministered that experience to him. Because, friend, one day, listen, we don't get a lot of tangible rewards in this earth. My friend, one day, we're going to go to a banquet. And Billy Graham's not going to be the speaker. But the Lord Jesus is going to be the author of that banquet. And my friend, when he walks by my seat at that table, when he comes up to me and he whispers, he says, Hello, Wayne. Hello, Wayne. He knows us, friend. And I guarantee you, he counts every tear that ever shed in our eyes for the sorrow that we have over the sin of this world. You think it's not worth it? Going deeper into who he is. And then one day, one day he's going to wipe those tears off our face. He knows and he cares. He was hurt. And he wept, and blessed are the sorrowing ones, for they shall be comforted. May we pray. Oh God, as we come to understand the sorrowing that is to be in us, Lord, we realize how calloused we've become. Lord, how caught up in problems and tangibles of this life that we've forgotten that your heart beating in us is caring and sorrowing for others. And Father, I just pray right now in the power of your Holy Spirit that you'll do something in our lives to help us realize that before we can understand this, we must have turned away from that sin in our life. 
Oh God, if there's a Christian here today that's still living in immorality or still living in ways of the world, God, I pray that you'll give him your sorrow this morning. Oh God, because that godly sorrow worketh repentance. Oh God, help him to turn from those ways. And then Father, we pray that as a church we'll become a caring church. Oh God, start with me. God, give me such a compassion for those who are suffering because of sin. And God, help us to learn that the tears, the tears are those manifestations of inward grief that you give to us when we see the sickness of this world. And I praise you, O God, for the work that you are wanting to do in our life, for the laws of discipleship. We're unable to help ourselves. But, O God, we thank you for your blessed help. In Jesus' name. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.